0: I will never vote for a black Democrat again. I will never vote for a black Republican again. In fact, I'm not going to vote for you unless you are an independent
1: candidate. You're listening to The Fly Guy Show. They do everything on the fly and in such a fly manner. Stay fly, stay fly, stay fly. The views expressed on The Fly Guy Podcast by the guests of The Fly Guy Podcast are only the views of the guests, unless we say we agree. Unless explicitly stated, <laughs> unless we say we agree, the views of the guests on the Fly Guy podcast are solely the views of the guests of the Fly Guy podcast. It's the Fly Guy podcast, your man, Seiko Obama, and I'm on the line with the esteemed, the controversial, the well-spoken, the well-read, the highly credentialed, Dr. Umar Johnson. How you doing, good brother? Peace and love, black man. Shout out to the entire Hampton Roads
0: for the fact that every angle under which black people are under attack is designed to bring about the genocide of African people. So whether we're dealing with miseducation, whether we're dealing with poor health care, whether we're dealing with mass incarceration, whether we're dealing with unemployment, whether we're dealing with drug addiction, black-on-black crime, police genocide, no matter what angle you come from, genocide is the agenda. It is not oppression. A lot of black people think that oppression is the goal. No, it is not. Extermination is the goal. And so 365 degrees means there is no angle of the black... Reality in america that does not have genocide as its chief aim for us as a people and the failed political economy speaks to the fact that this genocide our campaign became a whole lot easier the minute black people gave up their own infrastructure their own independent vision and initiative the minute we decided to participate in the white man's reality that was the beginning of our end you cannot participate in the political economic reality of your oppressor and expected to work for you the minute we gave up our own established communities and institutions it was just a matter of time before you could predict with almost 100 percent accuracy and certainty that there will be a day coming soon in the united states where you can say there used to be a people there used to be a people
1: known as african Americans. hmm hmm Mm. Well, uh, the failed political economy of integration so do you think the integration was the the catalyst for the demise oh without question and I would argue that the greatest effect
0: of integration was not political or economic it was psychological it broke down the African identity it broke down the power of black consciousness in the African mind most of us cannot think progressively black because we are so inundated psychologically with whiteness that we're not able to disentangle ourselves mentally. The propaganda that comes at our children and at our people 24 hours a day, 7 days a week is so strong. It is so powerful. The white men's propaganda campaign is second- to none. And if you don't have your political glasses on, if your political third eye is not awakened, that propaganda machine will swallow you up. It will have you loving your enemy and hating your brother. And that's exactly what the propaganda machine is doing. It has black people totally turned against each other. And I think one of the greatest victories of the propaganda machine is it has convinced black people that we cannot win against white people. That right there is the greatest achievement of the white man's propaganda machine, the American power structure has convinced black people that we are invincible, and most
1: of us believe that to be true. Wow! Wow! That—that's a lot to digest and uh, process. Wow! Wow! How was how was the current political environment in America impacting the propaganda machine? Well, speaking of that integration and going at the question you just asked.
0: We got to recognize that we have to turn the corner on some of these narratives, these false, fraudulent narratives that the black bourgeoisie has been pushing on black people since the death of Dr. King in 68. It's been 50 years since his death. And next year and next year, it'll be 400 years since the first Africans were brought to America as indentured servants later to be enslaved Africans. So 50 years since the death of Dr. King this year, and then next year, 400 years since our ancestors got here as forced laborers. And there's some narratives that we need to change. And one of those dysfunctional, maladaptive narratives has been this thing that we as a people, the only way we can become free or progressive is to participate in America's major party politics. And so black people have this thing where we have to be married to the Democratic Party. And then some of us have this thing where we need to be married to the Republican Party. Both institutions are white. Both institutions are racist. Neither institution gives a damn about black people. I often say that if someone is running for political office and they want my vote, I have three questions that they better answer and they better answer them correctly. Number one, Do you belong to either one of the major parties? If a black person belongs to one of the major parties, I'm not voting for them. I will never vote for a black Democrat again. I will never vote for a black Republican again. In fact, I'm not going to vote for you unless you are an independent candidate. Why is that? Because when you sign on to the Democratic or Republican Party or any party, Libertarian, Green Party, it doesn't matter. They are all white racist parties. And you are required as a member of that team to push the party dynamic, to endorse racist politicians who you know are not in the best interest of black people. And you're going to be forced to compromise your own political platform in order to get white backing financially and politically politically. So you can carry the election. In short, you are being required to be a team player on a racist political party. And so because of that, you can never push a black agenda as long as you are married to a white agenda. So I don't vote for black candidates unless they're independent, because if they're not independent, they're going to compromise their agenda. Number two, the second question I'm going to ask is what are you going to do to improve black people's access to wealth? And I'm talking about large amounts of wealth. I'm not talking small business loans, college loans, car loans, and bank loans. I'm talking medium-sized and large business loans so that we can challenge Walmart, so we can challenge Eddie's Ben, so we can challenge the predominant grocery stores in our neighborhood. What are you doing to redistribute the wealth in our community so black people can participate equally economically with all of these other folks because guess what we will never catch up with any other culture in this country white arab east indian latino chinese i don't care who you name we will never catch up until we can access wealth at the same level that they can and the china man shows up in norfolk with a line of credit from china the east indian shows up in portsmouth with a line of credit from east indian the korean shows up in hampton with a line of credit from his own banks in korea the mexican shows up with a line of credit from the bank of mexico and if they can't get it at home they'll get it from wells fargo they'll get it from chase manhattan they'll get it from bank of america we won't get it so unless our politicians are fighting for the economic liberation of black people, we will always be the economic slaves of other cultures until we can access wealth in meaningful amounts. So that's why if they don't have a plan to redistribute the wealth and or help us access wealth, they don't get my vote. And then the third thing, what are you going to do about police genocide against black people? What law are you trying to push to hold police accountable for the unarmed, defenseless killings of Black folks? If you don't, if you can't answer those three questions in a satisfactory way, I will never vote for you. And we have to get out of this mindset that we have to participate in major party politics. Are you aware that everything that we have achieved as a race, all political concessions, none of them—you can't name one that was voted for. Every political concession. every law every bill every act was not voted for it was forced on the government by way of organized collective street protest and direct action that's how we got out of slavery that's how we got the civil rights bill that's how we got the voting rights act we didn't vote for it we fought for it and until we start fighting for the things that we need we'll never be free no vote will ever help black people. If voting could help black people, voting would be illegal. Yes, indeed. And I wanna clarify something. That is because running for a school board, where you set policy for our children, assuming that you will be loyal to the best interests of our children, that can help us as a people. But pledging your loyalty to a political party is an entire different reality altogether so I can support a brother or sister running for a local school board while at the same time take issue for a brother or sister running for local office having already pledged themselves to the platform of a white racist political party so I want to make sure I draw that distinction now when we look at the school to prison pipeline we're looking at a six stage process of black male annihilation devastation and extermination that the United States government has created With stunning success, so much so that it expects almost every black boy to fall victim to the system. The first stage is deliberate miseducation. Black boys are deliberately miseducated. It is not by accident. From preschool to second grade, they are deliberately disadvantaged academically so that they cannot compete with white men when they become young males for political economic control over their society. Stage two, special education. Black boys are deliberately misdiagnosed with learning disabilities mental retardations emotional disturbances ADHD's reading disabilities math disabilities that they do not need and subject to the most inferior forms of segregated education known a special ed that sets them up for mass incarceration and a life of low expectations stage number three psychiatric medication if they can't kill the black boy or disadvantage him Academically, if they can't disadvantage him through special ed, they seek to disadvantage them through medication, Ritalin, Adderall, Concerta, Medidate, Cyclerk, and the list goes on. Dangerous forms of synthesized crack cocaine that are given to black boys so they can sit still long enough to be miseducated are racist white females. And if that doesn't work, that takes us to stage four, juvenile incarceration. If they cannot disadvantage the black boy and enforce his submission through miseducation, special education, or psychiatric medication, stage four is juvenile incarceration. Now the black boy is kicked out of school in many states, forbidden to return, and he now has to go to a so-called alternative school, most of which are run by the same companies that run America's prison industrial complex. So by virtue of the alternative public school or disciplinary school, the black boy receives his introduction, orientation, and initiation into a life of recidivism in and out of America's jails. And then that takes us to stage five, psychological frustration and alienation. This is when a black boy begins to give up. He becomes homicidal, suicidal. He hates everybody. He turns on his community. He disrespects his women. He joined gangs. He starts smoking weed and using crack and breaking the law and doing everything that is considered to be criminal because he himself was the victim of the crime of miseducation. And if we don't save him soon, that will take us to stage six, the final stage of the six stage cycle of white male destruction that they created for black males. And that is premature extermination. One black male murdered at the hands of another black male. One out of four will be murdered at the hands of another black male suffering the same debilitating psychological effects of the school-to-prison
1: pipeline, i.e., the six stages of death. Uh, unfortunately, I've seen it play out too many times. Oh, without question. And here's what hurts the most, brother. Here's where
0: the black community is complicit in the war against our young men, and increasingly now our daughters. And that is, economically speaking, we are able to fix this problem 100% on our own without any intervention from the United States government. That's what makes it sad. See, there's certain systems you are not allowed to create on your own in this country. You're not allowed to have you're not allowed to have a separate criminal justice system you're not allowed to have a separate tax system you're not allowed to have a separate political system you are allowed to have a separate religious system you're allowed to have a separate educational system so if we are allowed to have a separate educational system why is it That every black community in America, especially the major ones and the large ones, and I would consider the seven cities combined as a large enough metropolitan community of black folk where we should have our own independent schools for our children. New York City, Philadelphia, Houston, Dallas, L.A., Seattle, Phoenix, and the list goes on, Baltimore, all of these major black metropolies, and you can't even find self-sustaining, independent, African-centered schools, that's what hurts the most. Because although white people don't care about black kids, black people don't care about them either. Last year, my brother, black women spent $9 billion on weed, perm, and hair care products. $9 billion. We spent $4 billion on liquor and alcohol. $2 billion on Air Jordan sneakers. Nearly $1 billion on McDonald's and fast food. In 2017, we purchased twice the amount of Mercedes benzes as white folk, although we have less than 50% of the wealth of white people. So if we can spend this type of money on unnecessary European garbage, why can't we take that money and build schools for our children? Because we still suffer. The psychological residuals of slavery, i.e., post-traumatic slavery disease, i.e., Willie Lynch, i.e., the Stockholm Syndrome, which in essence still has us thinking like enslaved Africans. We do not think like free people. Any black man or woman who tells me they think like a free person is a fool or a liar. We do not think like free people. You. I mean, let me tell you how free people think Okay, You can yeah. watch how free people think When you watch what the Chinese do When they show up in America You can watch how free people think When you see the Mexicans show up You can watch free people When you look at the Chinaman And the Arab and the East Indian These are all different competing cultures These are all different competing cultures, but when they show up in America or any country for that matter, because they do the same thing all over the world, and I've spoken at this point in my life, I've spoken on every continent except Australia and Antarctica, and I'll be going to Australia soon. But anyhow, what free people do, the first thing free people do is they create a self-sustaining community for themselves. That's the first thing that they do. When you look at the Chinese, the first thing they look to do is establish a Chinatown. When the Italians come over, the first thing they look to do is establish a little Italy. Everyone seeks to create a community that whereby they can build economic and political power. That's what free people do. Black people are not psychologically or mentally free. That's why we don't do that. Black people run away from each other. The Chinese look for each other. The Arab looks for each other. The black man and woman run away. We move to white neighborhoods. We send our kids to white schools. We marry white people. We do whatever we can to get away from our blackness because some of us are foolish enough to think. Foolish enough to think that if we act white enough, if we dress white enough, if we live white enough, white people will forget that we're black. Bill Cosby might have had that problem. But we could all see now, everyone knows he's black, especially
1: white people. Yeah, you mentioned that you've traveled all over the world. What have you seen... In America Specifically in the United States of America That you don't see When you travel outside of the United States of America In relation to Our people Uh
0: Nothing I see the exact Same thing In every black community On the planet earth I just came back from speaking at the University Of the Bahamas Shout out to the brothers and sisters at the University of to the Bahamas, first time there. I just came back from speaking in Montgomery, Alabama, this past Sunday. Ground zero for the civil rights struggle, 1955 Montgomery bus boycott. Same thing there, just came back from Atlanta, just came back from Paris, just came back from London, England, okay? It's the same thing. I don't care if I'm in Jamaica, I don't care if I'm in South America, I don't care if I'm in Toronto, Montreal, Birmingham, Austria, Holland, Paris south africa nigeria liberia ethiopia th- wherever i go wherever i've been there are four continents where black people are and those four constants are as follows number one our children are largely being educated to serve white people they are not subject to a revolutionary independent ed- education i don't care what continent i don't care what country i don't care in what state or city we're learning the white man's philosophy. Number two, black men are massively, massively unemployed and mass incarcerated. I don't care where you go. Black men are disproportionately represented in prisons, even in countries that are predominantly black. Number three, white Jesus is still the predominant religious and spiritual symbol of black people. I don't care if you're in Norfolk, Suffolk, Chesapeake, Hampton, Newport News, Portsmouth, Virginia Beach. I don't care if you're in Los Angeles, Dallas, Texas, Detroit, Chicago, Johannesburg, Monrovia, Onugu State, Addis Ababa. I don't care where you are. Nairobi, Kenya, where I spoke two years at Jomo Kenyatta University. Wherever we are, G. White Christ. Is still the predominant spiritual system for African people. And the last thing, and probably the most horrendous, and they all are, is wherever black people live on the face of the earth. And I challenge any of your listeners to prove otherwise. Everywhere we are, on the face of the earth, you can't find one place on the planet where someone else does not run, control, exploit, dominate, and benefit from the black economy. You do not run
1: your economy nowhere on earth, including in black countries. Would you say that the strategies to change those things would be constant throughout the world? Oh, without question. And see, as a
0: pan-Africanist, as a revolutionary pan-African nationalist, as a Garveyite, we recognize that this struggle is international, brother. It, it's going to have to be international. The reason no black population on earth is succeeding at present is because every black population on earth is fighting white supremacy on its own. White supremacy gets help from other white countries because they recognize a threat to one is a threat to all. What did Napoleon Bonaparte Say when he was asked about why he thought it was so important to try to suppress the Haitian Revolution. Okay. Napoleon Bonaparte said, and I'm paraphrasing in essence, we must stop the La overture and Jean Jacques Dessalines, not just to protect the interests of the French government in that part of the world. He said we must destroy the Haitian Revolution because it is a symbol a potent symbol to other black people around the world that they too can do this he said this is not just to win this war but to forever halt the march of progress of black people into the future white people recognize that a threat to white supremacy anywhere is a threat to white supremacy everywhere so right now in south africa we have the land crisis my brother Julius Malema and the economic freedom fighters and the youth the youth branch of the African National Congress and, all, uh, and the Pan-African Congress and all the progressive black political organizations. And we hope they unite because they must. But that fight to reclaim the land of South Africa, they're fighting it alone. In black America, I fight against police genocide. We're fighting it alone. In London, England right now, the fight against corruption and economic disenfranchisement of Africans in the UK, they're fighting it alone. And because their home country has the support of other white countries, they can't win because they're fighting an army when they are only an army of one. So the goal is to internationalize the struggle. The goal is to do what Mr. Garvey and Mr. Malcolm tried to do. We must internationalize this struggle. One of the key principles of Pan-Africanism is we must all rise together or none of us will rise at all. You know, one thing that I often say is I'm not interested and it doesn't bother me if a brother or sister disagrees with anything I stand for, anything that I teach. Uh, I know it to be 100% the gospel truth. Pan-Africanism is the black man's oldest, formal political ideology it is the reason africa is free it was Garveyism and pan-africanism that birthed the uh, african freedom struggles that ultimately brought about the independence of africa it was pan-africanism that birthed the haitian revolution it was pan-africanism that influenced nat turner and denmark Vesey and Gabriel prasa which is why the nat turner revolt was on august 21st the anniversary of the haitian revolution so i know how we get out of this. And in terms of anything that I stand or believe in, I can respect people who disagree. I don't have a problem with a uh, respectful disagreement. That's okay. I tell people all the time, I'm not trying to make robots. You know, I'm not in the business of replicating Dr. Umar Johnson, but I am in the business of forging a collective consciousness amongst our people, those of us who are sincere, because not all black people are sincere. And we need to be very careful to not make that assumption. I do not assume that. That was one of of the uh, naiveties, I would say of my personality when I first broke into and took over the black conscious movement back in 2010 I thought all the brothers and sisters who were in the movement were sincere and I had to learn that many of them were motivated by money motivated by ego motivated motivated by uh, what's between a woman's legs motivated by a lot of things but they weren't necessarily motivated to see our people truly free and there are exceptions to that it's not everyone but clearly uh, there's a conflict of interest issue Going on within black consciousness Which is why there's not a the single institution That the black consciousness can claim That it has built Which is why we will never, ever outpace The black church until we can build Infrastructure, institutions Systems and organizations So I welcome those who disagree I can work with those who disagree As I always say We don't have to agree on everything But we need to agree On certain things Key things. For example, can we all agree, be we Hebrew, more, Nawapian, nation of Islam, God and earth, Pan Africanist, uh, regular black Bible carrying or Quran carrying, Muslim or Christian? Can we all agree, black Hebrew? Can we all agree? that we need to build independent systems for our people. And can we all agree that those systems should be operated on certain principles? And can we all agree that just because someone does not believe in our particular political philosophy, that that doesn't all automatically make them wrong and that they should not be shunned for participating in this movement? Because the white man's hegemonic mentality that says you have to agree with me or you are wrong has uh, diseased The black conscious movement So we have people who think That you have to think like them You have to believe exactly what they believe Or you are wrong I don't espouse that I can see the truth and the benefit In the African Hebrew movement I can see the truth and the benefit In the nation of Islam I can see the truth and the benefit and in the Wapians, the gods and earth And the black socialists I can see the truth and the benefit So they don't have to become Gabi. I I don't need them to be I'm never going to become them But if we work together to achieve certain desired outcomes, then our
1: disagreements really don't matter at the end of the day. Next steps, next steps. So once we are exposed to your information, your insight, your concepts, what do you think should be the next steps? Well, here's the thing. Every black community, and this is why,
0: this is why I cannot wait to get FDMG. I cannot wait until I am blessed with my school because I need that institution, that physical structure to be able to begin the process of forging that collective consciousness to bring about the much needed workshops and conferences and think tanks to forge the various institutions and systems and programs that we need. SDMG is going to be my base of operations. It's going to be the mothership for Team Pan African and Dr. Umar's blueprint and contribution to the global African struggle. And until I know where I'm going to be, it's so difficult for me to actually put my boots on the ground in a way that I need them to be on the ground. They're already on the ground. I've done more to save black children than any educator walk in this planet. But at the same time, I recognize the need to do so much more for our people. So SDMG right now is holding up the tidal wave that Dr. Umar Johnson is gonna bring forward. But to answer your question, the two things that every black community need to be aggressively working towards. One is school, education. And the other is economics. The solution lies in revolutionary education and revolutionary economics, period. But revolutionary education means that you make sure your children are socialized in such a way that they understand the contribution that they are expected to make to their people's independence and revolution and resurrection. Most black kids are nothing but coons in training. We send them to public schools, we send them to white colleges, where they are taught to be coons. If your child is being taught by white people, they are being taught to be coons, which simply means that the white teachers are psychologically disarming, reorganizing your child's mentality, and making them loyal to the very government that is that, that seeking to destroy them. And that's, that's dangerous. That's dangerous. The job of the school is to make the victim a willing participant in their own extermination. How can a black child pledge the flag of the United States when you know what the flag has done, is doing, and plans to do to us? And this is what we force our children to go to. We let them turn them into coons, and then once they graduate, we spend the rest of their life trying to re-Africanize them. That doesn't make any damn sense. The best time to control, to indoctrinate, to condition and socialize the mind of a child is in childhood. Not adulthood, if you're working with adults, you're already too late. The personality of a child is largely fixed at five. Not likely to change at 15. Pretty much permanent at 25, and it'll take a bullet to change them after 35. So why are we giving our babies first 18 years away to our enemy, and then and then we spend the next 60 trying to re africanize them? Absolutely ridiculous, but we do it because we don't have enough love for our kids. I'm not talking your children. I'm not talking... And my love for my two beautiful little daughters I'm talking about our love for our black children Collectively speaking We don't have enough love for our children To do it right the first time So you can always tell the difference between those who love And those who simply You know have a longing for When you love Love forces you To prevent problems from happening When you love your kids you do what You do everything to keep a lot of harm's way That's love We don't do nothing to keep our kids out of harm's way. But then after they've been harmed, then we want to come in and fix it. If you love them, you would have... Love is prevention. Love is prevention. Reaction is intervention. And the reason black people are always chasing the effects of racism we are always chasing the effects of racism every time you look at your social network feed oh look what donald trump said and of course today the big news is the president of papa john's the owner of papa john's pizza was caught sending out racist tweets and emails about black people why are we surprised haven't we been going through this for 400 years why are we surprised okay so we keep on reacting to racism because we don't have a black print and a black agenda of our own and when you don't have an agenda that you should be working towards it is very easily to get distracted by the racist shenanigans of your oppressed and then economics education and then revolutionary economics until we build black banks we're not serious black businesses are important black businesses businesses are necessary but guess what my brother black businesses doesn't change the black reality as long as the black business money is sitting in a white bank so let's say that we build 1,000 new black businesses in the seven cities 1,000 striving new black businesses and all of those 1,000 black businesses have their money in a white holding institution all of the money is in Wells Fargo all of the money is in Chase Manhattan all of the money is in Bank of America guess what White supremacy is still winning and they're still making more money off of us than we're making off of each other because if all of our money is in their bank, they can live off the interest of those black deposits and they can finance white businesses to put the black businesses out of business with the black businesses own money. So the point that I'm making until until we build black credit unions and black banks, to house black money, so we can use that interest to build our own infrastructure. Then the black businesses, no matter how many they are, are nothing but tools of white economic power.
1: I do find that a lot of our children are in the public school system. So, if you had an opportunity to work on the public school system, and you spoke about how important it is for us to have our own, but if you have the opportunity to work on the public school system, what are three things that you might try? Excellent question, my brother. If I'm (laughs)
0: superintendent of Norfolk schools, if I'm superintendent of Portsmouth schools, if I'm superintendent of Newport News or Chesapeake schools or Virginia Beach schools or Suffolk schools, there's five things. I know you asked for three. I'm going to give you five. There's five things that I'm going to do immediately as superintendent of any predominantly black school in the United States. And that is number one. I am going to embark upon a massive black male emergency teacher certification program to recruit black men to come into the schools on an emergency basis because we are in a crisis and they can teach our children. Anyone who's serious about improving education has to be serious about bringing black men into the schools to teach black boys. White women have no business teaching black children you cannot expect your oppressor to educate your son in such a way that he now threatens the success of her son i say again asking a white woman to make a black boy successful is a conflict of interest because she has a white racist obligation to keep white people in power she has an obligation to see that her own son Controls the political economic destiny of the seven cities, so she is not going to invest in a black child more than she's going to invest in her own white child because it is the destiny and of white folks in their own mind to rule blacks. So she's never going to prepare the black to rule the white. So we got to get more black men in the school. That's number one. You give a black boy a black male teacher you cut special ed in half you give a black boy a black male teacher you cut drop out of half you cut gangs in half you raise test scores you cut psychiatric meds. ain't no damn adhd adhd ain't nothing but ain't no daddy at home disorder adhd ain't no daddy at home disorder and if you don't have a daddy at home then put one in the classroom i said see- If you don't have a father at home, put one in the classroom. A black male teacher is the kryptonite to ADHD. Number two, I'm going to order a quality review of all special education students to determine whether or not they really have learning disabilities, or whether or not they were thrown away into special ed jail simply for behavior reasons or because the teacher had an issue with the child or the child's parents. I can promise you half of all the black kids in special education in Virginia are there simply for behavior reasons and because the teacher didn't want them in the classroom. That's why they're in special ed. So I'm going to make sure we get rid of all the black kids in special ed who should not be in special ed. Number three, I'm going to make sure that black teachers who have been teaching For 10 plus years, I'm going to look at the promotion of those black teachers as compared to the promotion of white teachers because black teachers are overworked and they are also overlooked for promotions. You got black teachers who've been in the classroom for 20 years, although they've had their principal served for 10. Why hasn't she been elevated to a vice principal? Why hasn't he been elevated to a principal? But yet you bring these young white kids in who don't even know how to teach and you make them administrators overnight because of white privilege, white patriotism and white and white and white supremacy. So I'm going to make sure that the black educators get the jobs that they need to have so they are in a position to help our children. The fourth thing I'm going to do, and probably the most important, is I'm going to re-implement the industrial building trade programs into all of the schools in Virginia. Every school district in Virginia, every county, children will now have the option of whether or not they want to be in the college prep track. And if they don't, they can be in the electrician track or the carpentry track, or the auto repair track, or the underwater welding track, or they can be in the cosmetology and barbering track. They can be in the computer networking track. Why do we keep telling black kids the only way to be a success is to go to college when we know damn well the only thing college is doing for black folks in the 21st century is putting us into long term debt to the racist banks of America. If you want to kill mass incarceration, if you want to kill black male unemployment, bring back the industrial building trade programs that have been stripped out of the black inner city high schools and the fifth thing that i'm going to do is i'm going to mandate that a revolutionary pan-african nationalist african centric curriculum is included in these schools not just one credit like they do in philadelphia not just for one year like they do in philadelphia but it will be embedded in the education at every stage of it, and white people will not be teaching it. It is an embarrassment and a shame and an insult to our ancestors to have white people teaching black children who they are. You don't see Chinese people acting Jews to teach Chinese kids who they are. You don't see Arabs acting Latinos to teach Arab children who they are. You don't see Anglo-Saxons asking East Indians to teach them who they are so why are black people begging white people to teach their children who they are no we got enough African Senate scholars who can go into the schools and teach our children who they are those are the five things I'm going to do if I become superintendent of any school district in America any last words yes sir I want to let everybody know that they can pre purchase my new book Black Parent Advocate. The Art of War for Dealing with America's Racist, Public, and Charter Schools. This is the natural follow-up, the much-anticipated follow-up to my blockbuster books, Psychoacademic Holocaust, The Special Education, and ADHD Wars Against Black Boys, which is a must-read for every educator, every parent, every criminologist, every attorney, everyone who cares about the future of black youth, and that will be on sale this Sunday um, at Temple Beth L. But if they want to pre-order The new book, Black Parent Advocate. All they have to do is text me at 215-989-9858, 215-989-9858, or they can email me at drumarjohnson at yahoo.com. That's D-R-U-M-A-R, Johnson, at yahoo.com. So that's the pre-order. And the last announcement I got, my good brother, is I'm going to be teaching my first annual course of Pan-African Philosophy. This is a continuation of the Pan-African Philosophy course taught by the right honorable Marcus Messiah Garvey, greatest black organizer of modern history. He taught a course to prepare our people to be leaders, and I'm going to pick up where Mr. Garvey left off, and I'll be teaching a course for an entire year from September of 2018 to August of 2019, one Saturday For each of the 12 months, one Saturday, once a month. So the first class will be September the 9th, excuse me, September the 8th in Philadelphia. We go for 12 hours, 8 in the morning to 8 p.m., 12 hours intense, one Saturday every month for 12 months. That's 144 class hours. If any of your listeners are interested in taking the course, they need to email me a one-page autobiographical letter of interest, which simply, simply means you need to tell me why, who you are and why do you want to be in my class? Because this ain't for everybody. Who are you and why do you want to be in the course? We still have a couple of seats left. I'm only taking 50 students. I think we're up to about 35 or 40 now. So if anyone wants to get that face-to-face education from Dr. Umar Johnson, small group and intense, they can send me their email. And of course, any parent who needs a one-on-one consultation for their child, can reach out to me as well and the last 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 uh announcement (laughs) is we'll be taking our fifth annual africa tour to egypt and ethiopia next week july 22nd to august the 6th it's too late for people to sign up for that we're already filled up but next year will be the sixth annual dr umar tour and guess what my brother the country of ghana and many west african countries will be commemorating 400 years of the transatlantic slave trade to North America. It went on longer in the Caribbean, it went on longer in Europe, but to North America, 1619 to 2019 is 400 years and the Ghanaian government is planning a large commemoration for our ancestors and those of us who descended from them, who are still here, 400 years later. So if anyone wants to go with Dr. Umar to Ghana in 2019 for that 400 year commemoration, then they will be able to register for that on September the 1st. They can reach out to me and don't forget. We have Suffolk Sunday, July 15th. We have Elizabeth city, North Carolina, Friday, August the 31st. We have Raleigh, North Carolina Sunday, Sunday, September the 2nd We have Shreveport, Louisiana For the first time Friday, September 14th And we end up in Dallas, Texas Sunday, September 16th All tickets Dr. UmarJohnson.EventB.com And I want everyone to keep me In their prayers I'm going to look at A residential school tomorrow A residential school That is up for sale I'm going to be looking at it tomorrow And I'm going to be interested I can't tell you where it is because, you know, I have provocateurs who want to destroy my work because they fear the progress. So keep me in your prayers. And I'm hoping that this Friday, the 13th eclipse is a powerful symbol that we will soon have a home for the Frederick Douglass Marcus Garvey Academy. Peace and black power.
1: The views expressed on the Fly Guy podcast by the guests of the Fly Guy podcast are only the views of the guests unless we say we agree unless explicitly stated (laughs) stay
0: fly stay fly stay fly